Dr. Peaky. Welcome to the Peaky channel. Today, it's time to pique my interest. I'm a doctor of pharmacy and a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist in the USA, which means I specialize in all things medications and treating disease. IBS, or irritable bowel syndrome, is constantly on my mind these days. As you know from episodes 5 and 7, it's so personal to me. I've talked there casually about my symptoms, allergy tests, colonoscopy, and some symptom relief treatments that I tried. There's so much that has yet to be known about IBS. It's not a well-studied disease. So in this episode, I'm going to switch gears and offer you my first-hand experience and professional review on the different drug-free treatment options out there that are pharmacist and physician recommended, evidence-based practices that are used as what we call the most up-to-date guidelines to treat IBS. I'll introduce when to use drug-free management, discuss three ways without using drugs, and then I'll explain what else can be done if you can't figure out the cause of your IBS. You probably heard other medical professionals say this many times, but in case you haven't, I do need to reiterate that this content is for educational purposes only. Everyone's situation is different and you will need to solicit medical advice from your practitioners who can evaluate you and discuss situation-specific recommendations. Okay, let's start with when drug-free management is recommended. If you have mild or intermittent symptoms that you find are manageable, you feel like an escalation is not needed other than trying lifestyle modifications, then certainly the best modality is to stay off the drugs and begin with drug-free management. This is what we call non-pharmacological treatment in the world of medicine. Regardless of the severity of your symptoms though, this is still recommended. That means even if your symptoms are severe and IBS drugs are prescribed for your condition, lifestyle modifications that are talked about in this episode should still be done. You may ask now, okay, then what are some things I can do without ingesting IBS medication? Here are three. Readjust your diet, reduce provoking events, and exercise. These definitely made a difference for me. Some people feel better by targeting one of these, and some may need all three. It depends on what is causing your syndrome. Let's talk a little more about each. There's a couple details I want to make sure I cover for you. Readjusting your diet. Avoiding trigger foods is very important. If you've noticed that IBS symptoms worsen when you eat certain foods, try not eating them for a week and see if you feel a difference. If you are able to confirm them, great. Continue to stay away from them. You can move on to the next section about reducing provoking events. For those of you who are having trouble identifying, continue here. Here are the five food types to avoid. Part of avoiding trigger foods is the medical recommendation to avoid foods that you're intolerant to. You'll hear about lactose and gluten avoidance in particular, especially if your lactose intolerance has been known from before, keep away from dairy foods. 
Same thing with gluten. There is a gluten test in the USA. Talk to your practitioner about this if that's you. Number three, the other type of foods that is universally recommended to avoid are gas producing foods. Beans and sweet potatoes are huge offenders for me. The thought behind this recommendation is that your gut is already in a hypersensitive state and flatulence prone foods will only worsen your gut symptoms. Number four, you probably heard of instituting a low FODMAP diet, F-O-D-M-A-P. FODMAPs are foods that are made of carbs poorly absorbed, thereby causing bloating and pain. The official recommendation is to exclude these foods for six to eight weeks or after symptom resolution, reintroduce, ideally one by one, slowly to find culprits. Number five, lastly, insoluble fiber can also cause bloating. Avoiding foods that contain insoluble fiber like wheat bran has been shown in studies to significantly improve IBS symptoms. Reducing provoking events. Stay away from tight clothes that hug you too hard in the abdomen area. Trust me, the only hard hugs you want is from your significant other. I've noticed a stark peak of bloating when I wear tighter pants or skirts. Uniquely, you won't always hear about this next provoking event, but stress can be a big factor when considering related events. When evaluating precipitating causes, stressful events were key and easy to overlook. In my case especially, symptoms seem to show after a few days, so effects of distress may not show immediately as you would think. Exercise. Increasing physical activity has shown to decrease severity of IBS symptoms. I've seen immediate improvement in mind. Keep in mind, exercise may feel harder than ever. Excessive bloating typically means added weight, which translates to feeling heavier. But don't let that discourage you. If you can't figure out the cause of your IBS, as I shared before, IBS spawned about 1.5 years ago for me. It took very long to figure out what my trigger foods were, and to this day, I still don't know the full list. A cardinal way to start your investigation, if it's not clear to you, as it wasn't for me either, is to start a diary. You'll need to keep a detailed history of what you eat and drink. Not only that, but also take care into writing out any symptoms that arise. I also took note of my daily weights to check for bloating. I couldn't remember to check how big my belly was bulging sometimes, so this was my backup. Bloating for me also typically lasts anywhere from one to four days, so if I saw a spike in my weight, it was a signal. Look for any patterns, connections to foods that you ate with symptom onset. Expect to do this for a while, so make sure you're adding all you can to this diary. You'll thank your old self later. Say you do your diary and it's been months and you still can't figure out what foods are making you bloat, giving you stomach pain. Your physician can order certain lab tests. Celiac disease test. 
you cut out gluten foods but you don't know for sure, this blood test will help define your status. Fecal fat test. If you've been noticing mucus in your stools, you may want to try this. Lay off the fatty foods. This test measures the amount of food in your stools. Hydrogen breath test. Checks for lactose intolerance. SIBO breath test. Checks for bacterial overgrowth in your gut. This test will determine if your condition is actually SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth instead of IBS. Allergy tests may also be presented as an option. They are not meant to pinpoint foods that are necessarily causing your IBS, rather clarifying whether some of your IBS symptoms are actually from foods that you may be allergic to. Beware, the role of reducing allergic foods is unclear for treating IBS. There is a physiological difference between foods that cause an allergic reaction and foods that irritate your gut. The latter is what we definitively want to target as they are part of the mechanism behind IBS morbidity. Managing food allergies has not been determined to be part of the IBS therapy, although the reaction presentation may appear similar to that of IBS. There are several kinds of allergy tests, but the major ones are food panels on your back. It's where you go to an allergist and they prick your back with dozens of tiny amounts of foods. If you're interested in knowing how those are assessed, hop over to episode 7 where I talk about that more. These tests can be helpful if the foods that aggravate your bowels is part of the panel. Not all foods are tested. Some clinics will test a sample food of your choice, so ask about that. Colonoscopy. In certain cases, you may get referred for a colonoscopy. More frequently, it's offered as an option more than a recommendation. It's to visually scope your gut to rule out other diseases. IBS is not a disease that can be confirmed through any testing or imaging, unfortunately. It is, rather, one that is often diagnosed by eliminating other diseases that present similarly. That's a wrap for non-pharmacological methods for managing IBS. If you've been newly diagnosed or your providers are suspecting it for your symptoms, don't worry. There's a community of us out there in the same boat. As it is labeled a chronic disease, expect to make permanent lifestyle changes to accommodate its presence. Even though it is incurable currently, there are studied and proven opportunities to improve symptoms, so don't lose hope. It'll be a long journey, but if there's any last words I can leave with you today, it's this. Remember the foods I had to eliminate from my diet? When I'm really good about avoiding for long periods of time, usually a couple months at least, I can tolerate them as long as I don't go overboard. I can eat spicy food twice a week and I'll be fine. I encourage you to find your own groove once your gut has recovered enough. As a carrier myself, I'm hoping to continue raising awareness about IBS and what's worked for me so that others can benefit from my experiences. If you know someone else who has IBS and is looking for some answers, please feel free to direct them my way. I'm reachable on YouTube and my direct contact is available on my YouTube channel in the about section. 
So, did you learn something today? I hope you did. I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye for now.